Hey, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you today. Wow, is it spring out there yet? <laughs> I was driving last night in like huge snowstorms, and I was like, it's March. What is going on? It's also Michigan. <laughs> yeah. Well, welcome to Watershed. My name's Drew. I'm so glad that you're here today, just spending a uh, part of your Sunday morning with us today. I was reading in a book recently, and uh, it was talking about worship and what the church does when it comes together. We get to worship our God. We're just saying this morning, uh, we have Christ's righteousness because he gave it to us, right? We traded our sin for his righteousness, and now we get to be one with the Father. That's the amazing good news for all of us today, that Jesus loves us so much that he would trade all that so that we could be one with the Father. That's good news. Amen? Amen. That's good news. Uh, so I was reading this book, and it said when we gather as a church and we worship, right, it helps us remember the story. It helps us remember we're part of a story, that there was a creation, there was a fall, and that Christ has redeemed things, and now he's going to restore all things back to the way they ought to be. And we are in that story, you and me, every one of us in this room today. We're part of the story, and that's great news. So uh, before we get started again with some worship, we invite you to sing with us as we do that. Just uh, stand up, greet the people around you, give them a high five, give them some knuckles, ask them how they're feeling about this spring weather. Intro, two, three, four. praise resound 
Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. We're going to declare that. We're going to lift up Jesus' name today. So let's sing. The earth will shake.
check out this next video from this story. Almost everywhere Jesus went, huge crowds came to see and hear him. One time, he began teaching by a lake. The crowd became so big that he actually had to speak from a boat out in the water. Jesus often told stories called parables about everyday life that were symbolic of who God was and what it meant to live in God's world. Jesus also performed many miracles everywhere he went. He healed sick people and even raised some from the dead. He could also control the weather. One time when Jesus and his followers were in a boat on a lake, a huge storm came in and the boat began to fill with water. Despite the storm blowing the boat around, Jesus was asleep. Panicked, his followers woke him up and said, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Jesus stood up and commanded the wind and the waves, quiet, be still. And the storm was gone. Many people were amazed at the miracles Jesus performed, but the religious leaders called Pharisees started to question where Jesus got his power from. At one point, they even accused him of getting power from the devil. King Herod was also fearful of Jesus. A short time earlier, Herod had thrown John the Baptist in jail. He wanted to kill John, 
but knew that he was a holy man and feared what might happen if he did. Then one day, Herod's daughter was dancing and entertaining Herod's guests at a banquet. Herod was pleased with her and told her she could have anything she requested. Herod's wife stepped in, telling their daughter that she should request the head of John the Baptist on a platter. Herod was fearful, but what could he do? He had promised to give his daughter what she requested, and so he had John beheaded, and the executioners brought his head into the banquet. As Jesus' fame grew, King Herod began to worry that Jesus would bring John back from the dead. Even Jesus' followers began to have second thoughts about him, but his 12 closest followers stuck by Jesus for what was sure to be tough times ahead. If we could have all the children preschool through third grade, we do not have fourth and fifth today. Come forward. If you could all bow your heads and fold your hands, we'll pray. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us all here today to your church to worship you. And thank you for our friends and our teachers and our families. And um, help us to have a great day in class today. Amen. I love when kids are, like, walking towards the door going like this. Yay! I don't have to put up with Aaron. Woohoo! <laughs> no, it's uh, good to see you this morning. I'm uh, Aaron. I'm Pastor Aaron, campus pastor here at Watershed. Uh, so I want to, again, welcome you to worship with us. I want to highlight a couple things uh, that's, that are happening around our Heart of White campus. Uh, in just about a week and a half, we have our annual Pinewood Derby uh, for cadets and gyms. So uh, you can see here, March 29, right here in this room. Uh, it's a fun night. Kids have been building cars. Uh, they're going to be designs. Some are going to be wedges and just the movement, you know, are looking for pure speed. Um, occasionally, Derek Prince has modified a car, like, with, like, just a pseudo little rocket. Clear out. Watch out. Watch this thing fly. But uh, it's a fun night uh, for our gems and cadets and uh, just for our, our community here. So, uh, not this Wednesday, but the following Wednesday, if you want to come out and join us, uh, come have some fun with us. Uh, it's a great time. Uh, the next thing that I want to just point you to, because registrations are open for, uh, is for kids from age of four through fifth grade, the Summer Adventure Week. Uh, as you can see, uh, we're looking at June 26th to 29th in the evening. Uh, there are sheets out um, in kind of the, the entryway. Uh, you'll see kind of where there's a kiosk and some other stuff, there's, there's registration forms there. You can go to heartofwhite.com uh, to register as well. So want to make you aware of that. And then uh, this morning, again, um, as we give, if you're not familiar, we don't pass a plate around here. We have boxes. Uh, but I just want to update you because at the beginning of the year, uh, we said, hey, listen, these first months of, of a year usually get pretty tough. And, and I want to celebrate the fact that you've helped us 
reach 94% of our askings, so of how our budget is like broken up in this first quarter, you've helped us reach 94% of those askings, which is well above where we've been in years past. You stepped into that, and I just want to celebrate you and your faithfulness in giving and in being good stewards of what God has given you, of supporting the ministries here and partnering with us. Um, so thank you, and this is for you. So praise God. Just want to celebrate that commitment. Um, and, and again, um, it's appreciated not only from me, but from our leadership. So with that being said, before we dive into God's word, let's uh, pray again. God, thank you. Uh, again, I, I, I'm just, my mind is drawn this morning back to the, the first song that we were, we were listening to and, and, and singing along with as we walked in, Gone. Lord, even as a team, as we prayed this morning, it's where my mind went, or that gone, gone is our mistakes, gone are our missteps, gone are our regrets in you, Jesus. I'm brought back even to last week's message, Jesus, that you would come to serve us, that you would be a ransom for, for our sin and our brokenness, you'd, you'd take it away from us. So that we would be right. And not only that we would be right, but God, we'd be restored to you. I just want to pause and rest in that good news this morning. Now Lord, every person in this room, as we're going to hear uh, in the gospel of Luke, Lord, that every person in this world, whether they know it or not, that's the truth in Jesus. That we're free. We're made right with you. We're clean. We're pure in you. God, may that truth rest in our hearts and our minds today. It's not based on what we've done. So if anything, Lord, I know from my own self, the bad has far outweighed the good. But Father, you don't look at us based on our sin, our brokenness, our failures. You look at us through your son, Jesus, the pure and perfect one. Thank you. God, I know uh, many of us, too, as we, we pray every week, and uh, Lord, I, I always want to continue to be reminded of, many of us come into this space in this time of worship as we step out of life. We're stepping out of and away from, for a moment, challenges and struggles. We're, we're stepping, Lord, and carrying, even carrying with us some health concerns and, Lord, some stuff that's weighing our spirit down. Others of us are, are bringing in some joy. We're celebrating and maybe we're celebrating even a little more than our brackets this weekend. But Lord, there are things that are putting a smile on our face and bringing us joy. All these things, Lord, I think there's a beauty in your, in your scriptures, in your story. You care. You care about what we care about. Whether we need to cast our anxieties on you because you care for them. That's what the scriptures say. Whether that's what we need to do this morning. 
Whether we need to pray for healing, Lord, and, and, and trust that you're a God who's able. Maybe, God, we need the sustaining strength and power as we're getting ready to step into another week. Maybe we need some patience because, Lord, uh, this, this family member, this coworker, this neighbor is stretching us a little further than we'd like to be. But, Lord, we know that we can come to you with that request. And you'll hear us. And this morning we can celebrate and we can say thank you, God, for the goodness, for a roof over our head, for heaters that work. <laughs> Lord, for the ability to breathe this morning, for the ability to share life together. God, all of these things, thank you for caring. And now as we turn into your word, again, Jesus, as we hear stories about you, we already saw you were no ordinary man. The way you taught, what you did, Lord, it, it rattled people. The story we're going to hear this morning, God, you rattled people. Because that's what your grace does. It rattles us. Because it isn't something we're capable of. It's something only you are. So Holy Spirit, teach us today. Where we're rattled, where we're shaken up, where we're stretched. Grant us your peace. Lord, transform us. Where we need to be encouraged, lift us. Because Jesus, it's you alone that we worship and praise. In your name we pray. All God's children said, amen. So as we already got to see this morning, we've, we've been journeying, if you're not aware, we've been journeying this whole year through, through the Bible, and we've been using a resource called The Story, and so it's just kind of helping us maneuver through. We come to the stories and stories of Jesus, and uh, Jesus certainly was no ordinary man. He taught like no other. He did things that rattled and shook the world around him, uh, that astounded people. We're going to see today in the story of Zacchaeus. How many of you have heard that name before, Zacchaeus? If you haven't, that's okay. We're going to talk about this wee little man. And I will try to refrain from singing the Sunday school song I learned about him being a wee little man. But we're going to hear what Jesus does with Zacchaeus rattles those who, who see, shakes them up, challenges the way they think. And there's good news wrapped in that. There's good news for all of us. But there's also a challenge involved as well. As we look at Zacchaeus, we've been looking here at, at there's four gospels. There's four stories that really kind of shape who we know Jesus to be. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The first one, Matthew, we talked about a few weeks ago. And again, there's my pizza image. Everybody likes a little different pizza. Right? As we talk about the gospels, everybody is telling the story of Jesus in a unique and different way. Still pizza. And yeah, somehow I'm going to have to maybe ask for forgiveness one day. Yes, Jesus, you and Pete, no. <laughs> but Matthew, Matthew in particular, brought a message. He was speaking to Jewish people, and he was saying, this is the promised king, the promised Messiah you've been looking forward to. And when we talked about Matthew, we understood this to be, and looked at the scripture, that this is the rock on which we build our lives. That Jesus is our king. He's the one who leads us. He's the one we bend our knee to. 
but he's also the one that can hold us secure and firm. Right? In a world of different ideologies, in a world where there's different truths, where there's all kinds of different things. Jesus is the rock we can, we can build our lives upon. He's the one who fulfills the promises of God. He is God's yes to us. Last week we looked at Mark. Mark then writes to, to Roman Christians, so both Jewish and Gentile. And, and he basically shared a message that Jesus' whole mission was to come to die. Jesus came to be a suffering servant, not to be a king who would overthrow Rome, but he was, he was going to overthrow the principalities and powers of the world. He was going to upend sin and Satan, and how to do that was he was going to have to face death itself. He was going to suffer on our behalf in order to serve us, because our sins deserve death. Our brokenness in the face of God deserves God's wrath. But Jesus says, you know what, I'll take that on myself so that you can return to the Father, so you can be one with him. Right? I'll be, I'll take sin on so you can be right. Today, we're going to look at Luke. And Luke writes, he is the only Gentile writer. Most scholars believe he's not Jewish. So uh, he would have studied with both Peter and Paul, had some influence from them. He writes both Luke and Acts. They're actually kind of considered to be one book, uh, even though we separate them. So Luke, Acts, as you read your Bibles, uh, fall in together. But Luke writes in the message of Jesus, isn't just that Jesus is the king, isn't just that Jesus would come and die for us and give his life for us, but Luke would in particular say, as a Gentile, because he understands this, this is good news from him, he was an outsider, he goes, the good news, the grace of God, that, that thing we don't deserve, that's what grace is. It's God's unmerited, unearned favor is for lost people everywhere. The gospel is for everyone everywhere. Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the hope for the nations. There's not one pers person on the face of this earth that God is not for. Now what we'll hear is, sure, is God for everything we do? No. No, what we're going to find out in Zacchaeus, God's not for everything Zacchaeus does. But that never stops Jesus from being for Zacchaeus. In fact, Jesus is more concerned that Zacchaeus understands he's for him than he is about what he can do for him. Does that make sense? That he's for him, and he wants him to understand that he's for him more than what he's going to do in him and for him. The Gospel of Luke reminds us that God is for lost people everywhere. Next week, again, we'll dive into who John says Jesus is. But let's dive in. I've been talking about Zacchaeus. Luke 19. This is how we're going to look at the whole of Luke through this passage. Luke 19, starting in verse 1. Let's meet Zacchaeus. <laughs> Jesus entered Jericho. Jericho is to the south of Jerusalem. We could kind of look at Jericho as a, as a pseudo-resort town. If I can say that. Now, I've been in West Michigan for almost half my life now. Wow. 20 plus years. Whew. 
I'm almost no longer a Hoosier. I'm almost there. <laughs> but we all know, if you're, if you're from West Michigan, you're from kind of Highland area, right? We know that Highland can also be a resort town for those Chicagoans, right? Uh-huh. How many of you have moved here from Chicago? Yeah. <laughs> right, so Jericho is kind of this, 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 this spot that has become, now, I don't know if you remember in this story, the people of Israel marched around Jericho, the walls fell down in Jericho. Well, Jericho has been rebuilt. It's kind of a resort town south of Jerusalem. Wealthy folks would have had second homes there. There would have been priests and Levites, like religious leaders that had their homes there if they served in the temple. So this is the setting. They're in Jericho. Jesus entered Jericho, and he was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Let me repeat that. He was a chief tax collector and wealthy. The scripture is telling us something right there. So hold on to that. Verse 3. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead, and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Now when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I'm going to stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Verse 7, all the people saw this and they began to mutter. He's gone to be with the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, look, look, Lord, here, here and now, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. This is God's word for us this morning. Thanks be to God. As I think about this, I think about, again, the fact that Zacchaeus is a wee little man. The, the song goes, Zacchaeus was, I told you, I, I got it. wee little man and a wee little man was he. Anyone else? He climbed up in the, <laughs> no, nobody, <laughs> I'm not singing it. Well, he, was, he was short, right? We look at the scriptures, verse 3, 4, says he's short. He can't see over the crowd. Now, I have never had this happen, okay? Um, Disney World when I was four, I could still go ride Space Mountain, okay? I'm good. I don't know why this girl's so happy. You know, you're not there. <laughs> Zacchaeus was a short man. He was a wee little man. He didn't measure up. But did you know that in the Greek, when it says that he was short, it doesn't mean simply that he was short in stature. It also means that he was short in status and character. That Zacchaeus, while being short in stature, we know he couldn't see, so he had to climb the sycamore fig tree. And I'll show you an image of what that looks like in just a moment. But what I want us to see this morning is, is the fact that not was he just a short man, but he didn't measure up. He didn't fit in. His status, scripture tells us he was a chief tax collector, and he was really wealthy. Well, if you're wealthy, usually you fit in, not if you're a chief tax collector. A chief tax collector was a Jewish person collecting taxes for Rome. And you know how much taxes Rome took from the people? Anywhere from 50 to 80% of what they had. 
You think we're getting taxed. <laughs> so when the person calling for that, um, and by the way, he's not just any old tax collector. He's the only one mentioned in Scripture where he was the chief tax collector. That means he's the regional tax collector. As I was listening to a former uh, seminary a colleague of mine, Brad Gray, he, he does this walking the text. Um, he, he says, Zacchaeus was basically the godfather, right? Yeah, you come talk to me, right? <laughs> and here he is, right? He's the chief tax collector. He's the chief guy hosing you, Jewish people. How do you like that? You think he's going to fit in? You think anybody's going to split the split it? So, hey, you want to see Jesus? Yeah, come on, Zacchaeus. Uh-uh. He's back, taking a back seat to everyone. He doesn't fit. He may be wealthy, but that's all he's got. And his character? We can, we can look into what his character is and just, just by looking at the end of the text. What does he say? He said, I'm going to give half of what I have to the poor. I'm going to give four times, if I've cheated anybody, I'm going to give four times the amount. That's, a, that's an over and above amount to be made right with someone. Because that's what tax collectors do, and it's certainly what the chief tax collector does. I'm going to skim a little off the top. What's the big deal if you're getting charged 65%? I'll take five more. 70, what's 70%? <laughs> Don't measure up. Don't fit. Right, as we think about this today, I think about myself. Where's the places where I feel like I don't fit? Right, where I don't have the, the crew <laughs> who has my back. I think about that alone, and, and it's a, a country boy outsider <laughs> growing up. I was known as a redneck. Yep, yep, because all my friends were in the city. <laughs> we're in town. Right, and by the way, I was 45 minutes away from school, so where was everybody else? Who forgets to, oh, oh, sorry, Aaron, we forgot to call you. Yeah, we just, we just didn't think you wanted to make it out or could. But you never asked. Didn't fit. Now, I'm not going to pour out my laundry list of mistakes, but certainly my character has been flawed. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. But the message might just be for wee little men and women like us. We know this about Zacchaeus, though, is he was also a man with a lung. As much as he was a short man, he didn't measure up. It didn't seem like life added up. He had a longing, right? He wanted to, in verses 3 and 4, see Jesus. And he wanted to see Jesus so bad that he would be undignified. He would run and climb a tree. That's what, no, listen, if you're a good Jewish Hebrew man in the day, you don't run, you walk. You definitely don't climb trees. Here's the supposed tree of Zacchaeus in Jericho. It's grown over the years. Now, and, and you can see the sign, and no, I can't read it, and you can't either, most likely. If you can, let's talk later. <laughs> Not a huge tree, right? A sycamore fig tree, but one that he could, you could climb and you could get a, get, a, get a view over all the rest. But Zacchaeus, a man with a longing, wanted to see Jesus. Right When Jesus said, hey, I'm coming to your house, what does it say? He came down and welcomed him gladly. 
I wonder if, for Zacchaeus, it was because outside of Jericho in the waters of Jordan, he heard in Luke 3 about how when John the Baptist, we heard a little bit about John the Baptist, when John the Baptist was, was baptizing people, tax collectors, possibly people who had worked for Zacchaeus, because he was a regional, right? He was the regional boss, had come to John the Baptist to be baptized, to, to repent, to get back on the way of God. And they said, Is that, they said John, what, what, what do we need to do? And he said, stop cheating people. <laughs> stop cheating people. Okay? Maybe, maybe Zacchaeus was so excited to see Jesus because in Luke 15, it said that Jesus ate with tax collectors and sinners. That Jesus would go hang out with the undesirables. I don't know about you, but even when I talk about feeling like I didn't fit back in middle school and high school, still does something inside of me. I still today act sometimes out of that younger self. Wanting to be accepted. Wanting to find one who would see me and know me. Zacchaeus doesn't fit in. He knows it. Amen? When you don't fit, you know it. And listen, in a world where we say it's free for all, you decide for yourself, you still have to look at yourself in the mirror. Amen? And it doesn't matter what I believe about morality and all kinds of things, I still have to look at myself in the mirror. We still know in our hearts sometimes the stuff that isn't supposed to be. Amen? We know where we don't measure up, add up, the wouldas, the shouldas, the couldas. Amen? He had a longing. He had heard about this Jesus. He had to see him. Right, that's part of our journey of faith is, is, what, is what we're hearing about Jesus, the king of the world, the one who would give his life for ours, who would say, you know what, I'm going to serve you instead of be served. Is that the kind of person that we want to know more about? The one who would forgive us in our brokenness and our mistakes. The one who would say, you matter, you loved, you belong. Not because you somehow made it possible, but because I say so. You belong. I'm coming to your house. Because that's what Jesus does. He looks at this sinner, this tax collector, this guy who doesn't fit, who doesn't add up, who doesn't measure up, and he says, I'm going to come and I'm going to be your friend. Because that's what it means to come to somebody's table. I'm going to choose to be in relationship with you. You're going to matter, not just as a friend, but like family. I'm coming to your house. Right? Jesus blows up the norms of the day. Jesus looks at Zacchaeus as a person. And he says, man, you, Zacchaeus, people, you matter far more than your reputation. I'm not scared of where you've been. I'm not scared of what you've done and even what you're doing right now. I'm not scared of you. I'm coming to your table. I want in. Because I want you. The people mutter, he's going to the house of a sinner. Does Jesus care? 
No. Society says he should have went to the community leaders' houses. He should have went to the religious leaders' houses. But no, he goes, oh, hey, by the way, I'm going to go to Zacchaeus' house. I'm going to figure out what his name is. I don't know. We don't know how Jesus knew his name. Possibly it was because he's God. Corey's going to preach on the fact that he's God next week. And so does he know everybody's name? Sure. But sometimes I think we, we dismiss the humanity of Jesus, and we don't realize that maybe Jesus went, hey, who is that dude? <laughs> Who's that guy who would undignify himself, who would run, go climb a tree? Because we've got we to understand that Jesus pays attention in life. If there's something I can give you today, pay attention. Pay attention to the people you're with the people you're around. Pay attention to your coworkers, to your family members. Pay attention to your neighbors. One of the gifts we can give to people is our attention, and we value them when we know their names, when we say, you matter. But nonetheless, Jesus says, Anna, I'm coming to your house. Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. And it's enough to radically change Zacchaeus' life, right? His response to this act of, of this grace of God, this unmerited, unearned love and favor is like, okay, dude, I'm going to give half of what I got to the poor. I'm going to go over and above. I'm going to do the work of reconciling things. So if I've cheated somebody, I'm going to give them four times the amount. We don't have the time to go into all the biblical kind of Old Testament backgrounds to that. But, but this is... He's going over and above because he understands the over and above nature of God's grace. He understood that before Jesus was interested in fixing his life, in planning out the agenda for his transformation, Jesus wanted him to know that he was for him. For him, period. Zacchaeus, I want to come to your house. Why? Because we hear the heart of the message in Luke, because I came to seek and save the lost. It's interesting, I've, I've referenced Luke 15 a couple times here, right? Jesus goes to the tax collectors and the sinners, and, and by the way, the only other time that the scripture tells us that he muttered, that people muttered, they were just, they were kind of like, well, this is disgraceful, why would you do that, is in Luke 15. So Luke 19, Luke 15, they mutter when you go to somebody like Zacchaeus, Right? When you value people that the world seems to push aside and not value. But Jesus goes, that's because my agenda isn't about propping up those who already have a spot. Right? Let's go back to Mark. It's to serve. To save. Seek and save the lost. Luke 15, there are three parables that happen. One, it's about a lost sheep. And the shepherd will leave the 99 to go find the one. And then about a lost coin. And late, she will tear up her house, her life, just to find that one coin. And then a lost son who would say, I got everything that my father has given me. And then I'm going to tell him he's dead so I can take half of his estate. And, and then I'm going to go away and I'm going to push, I'm, I'm just going to piss it all down the drain. <laughs> and I'll come, I, I'm going to come back because life is better to be a servant than it is anything else. And what does the father do? He runs to the son who was lost, a lost son. Jesus' agenda has always been for people who don't fit and don't measure up. 
This is the good news that Luke will carry into Acts. It's not about being Jew or Gentile. It's about a world that says, you know what? God, I need you. And Jesus isn't afraid to go share life, share his table, to transform your table into a place of grace, of life, of mercy, forgiveness. He's not afraid of where you've been. He's not afraid of where you are. Because he's not afraid of you. He's for you. To hit this home, the end of Luke's gospel, it says this, that then he opened, Jesus opened their minds, the disciples' minds. This is in chapter 24. So they could understand the scriptures. And he told them, this is what's written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. He's going to die and come to life. And then listen to this. It says, in repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Right? To change your life. To get back on the path. What's Jesus say to Zechariah? You are now a son of Abraham. You who, what, who were lost are now found. You who are on the outside are now in. That's God's goal, to bring us in. In the forgiveness of sins. Yes, God will deal with the stuff that we're for, that he's not for. But he wants us to know before anything else that he's been for us. Before we talk about what he'll do for us. He says, you're witnesses of these things. Goes on to say, and I'm going to send... I'm going to send you what my Father has promised. We know that to be the Holy Spirit. But stay in in the city until you've been clothed with this power from on high. The mission, Luke says, is that God, man, he, he has come to seek and save the lost. He's for lost people everywhere. Now, I don't know about you this morning. Maybe you are Zacchaeus. I, I hope all of us can see ourselves a little bit in Zacchaeus' story. That in the places where we haven't measured up, whether it's because we haven't fit, maybe you feel marginalized, maybe you, be, maybe you feel like you've been pushed to the edges, you haven't been let in. Jesus is for you. Maybe when you look in the mirror and you go, man, all I see are my regrets, my mistakes, all I see is the thing that I can't get over, man, that's been a thousand times where I, God, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. Maybe you need to hear again, God's for you and not against you. You are righteous in Christ. That's why we need Jesus. Sometimes we just prove we need him a little bit more often than others. I hope we see that because we'll never share that good news if we ourselves aren't changed by it. We'll never make room in our lives and at our tables if that message doesn't mean anything for us, that he's come to seek and save the lost. But it also should ask us and prompt us to ask the question, who are you for? Because a lot of times I find myself muttering. I find myself going, you know, I don't like Jesus showing up with, for those folk. Right, let's think about our categories. Jesus can't be for a conservative Republican. It's not possible. No, no, Jesus can't be for a liberal Democrat. I was joking this morning, Chris and I, we were joking at the door, being Chicago. Jesus can't be for Lori Lightfoot, <laughs> mayor of Chicago. 
And if you've grown up around there, no mayor of Chicago is ever any good. So, <laughs> Oh, but Luke would say, Jesus would say, hey, Lori, can I have a seat at your table? Oh, you know what? We, we, man, what about the LGBTQIA plus community? No, Jesus, man, you, you... Luke would say God is for every person in that community. Wants them to know the love of Christ. And if you're sitting here and you say today, hey, I'm straight. Yeah, and God loves you too. All y'all, you're sitting here in church. Well done. Insert sarcasm. I'm glad we're here worshiping. But guess what? Jesus is for you. As much as he's for the person who's still laying in bed asleep. Who's sitting at the stand, in the stands trying to root on their kid. Because they got a game today. Who's with every person that's struggling to get up this morning because we've watched a little too much NCAA tournament. Jesus is for you. Folks, we will never get to what Jesus wants to do for us and in us until we understand that he is truly for us. He came to seek and save the lost. It doesn't mean, again, hear me, doesn't mean he is for everything we're for. But until we understand that he's for us, we're never going to get to that spot. Then our gospel is do right, be right, and you'll get what you did back, the gospel of karma. But let me remind you, that's not Jesus. His grace and his love transforms and changes us. Luke, Acts, here to remind us that Jesus values people over our reputations has come to seek and save the lost, has come to each of our tables, no matter where we've been, no matter what we've done, to breathe his life into us. And he transforms Zacchaeus' table. Let me, let me give you one more detail about this story. It's a beautiful thing. In Hebrew, the name Zacchaeus means Zakai, which is righteous, innocent, pure. Was Zacchaeus righteous, innocent, and pure? No, he didn't measure up. <laughs> However, Yeshua, the Hebrew name of Jesus, means salvation. What did Jesus say to Zacchae <laughs> at the end of the story? Today, salvation has come to your house. You're now a son of Abraham, for I came to seek and save the lost. The only way Zechai is righteous, innocent, and pure is because Jesus shows up to the table. Because salvation moves in. And that's true for all of us. Our rightness is only found in Christ. It's the only way. Outside of it, we're left to our own devices. In that game, we don't win. But Jesus, folks, win. Because he won. Not only did he die, but he was raised to life. To breathe life 
into ours. Think about that as we celebrate communion and as we break this bread. Reminded of the words Jesus said. He said, this is my body given for you. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Gave his life. In the same manner, they shared a cup on the night before Jesus died. And he said, this cup, it's a new promise. It's a new covenant in my blood. And it's for the forgiveness of sins. Not for the gospel of try harder, be better. But for the, for the gospel of forgiveness. Grace. He said, this cup is new covenant in my blood for the forgiveness of sins as often as you do this. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus' invitation to us this morning is the same invitation, really, he had for Zacchaeus. Dude, I want to come into your life. I want to share a table with you. He set this table for us today as we participate in communion. If you believe in Jesus, if you want to run to Jesus, come, take a piece, tear it off. Said this before, take yourself a whole lot of Jesus, <laughs> dip it in, and let something that our minds can't fully comprehend, let the Holy Spirit do a work in you. I want to invite you because Jesus invites you. And as we listen to music, as we reflect, again, be reminded that God is for you, not against you. As I pray uh, this morning, I want to ask those who are um, serving to come forward and our our worship team will come forward as well. But uh, if you will, join me in prayer. um, And if servers, you'll come forward. God, uh, you're for us. You're for us. You know we don't measure up. We know and you know we don't fit. But you say we do. That is the good news. And when we give ourselves to that news, it changes us. Lord, it it changes us. And so I pray this morning, God, that you would change us. Holy Spirit, that you would keep breathing that good news into our lives. And that, that, no, that good news would pour out of our lives to others. To the folks that we might mutter about. Who need to know you're for them and not against them. To those who we think fit. Lord, grace is grace. It's no part of us. So Lord, thank you for your love. Thank you for your life. Thank you for welcoming us to your table, transforming our tables into yours, and just continuing to remind us that you've got something more in store, that you're the one who makes us who we truly are because of your sacrifice and your life. God, take these ordinary elements And do something extraordinary in and through them by your Holy Spirit. Join us as one church 
as one body under, under you, Christ, who is our head. It's in your name we pray. Amen. And as we do, we generally come down the aisles here closest to these chairs and then kind of make a U around. Uh, but with that being said, these are the gifts of God for the people of God. I invite you to come forward. Intro, three, four, five, six.
sing hallelujah, we sing hallelujah, the Lamb has overcome, we sing hallelujah, we sing hallelujah, we sing hallelujah, the Lamb has overcome, as we sing hallelujah, we sing hallelujah. celebrate God for what, who he is and what he's done. That's why we worship. It's not a rock and roll concert. <laughs> it's not about just passively sitting back. It's about lifting up the one who says, I'm for you and I want to lift you up. So be lifted up in the love of Christ this week. Be encouraged by the fellowship of his spirit. And give thanks for a Jesus who gave his life for you. If you want to share a meal with us, we're going to have our third Sunday potluck here afterwards. we got a little brunch cooking. If you want some brunch, join us. Um, if you got to head out, though, please know God's blessing goes with you. Receive this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance, his smile upon you. And give you his peace in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's children said, Amen. Go in peace. If you don't mind stacking a few chairs, we appreciate that as well.